As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, JJB, JAR, in the studio. Are you aware that there's some sort of E-cubed event going on? No, I'm not. Don't know what's going on about that. Maybe we'll find out. Forgotten Realms, what we've been playing recently. D&D info. Info about diving and ducks. Diving and ducks. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. For the time being, at least, this is Android's Dungeon, a show about books, movies, games, music, things that uh, happened to Jack or Joel while we were walking, driving, climbing, flying. I got really excited about uh, that article I sent you about Dune and how the thing is going to get based on, uh, on the books. But go into that in detail for a moment here for people who aren't aware of the so things that we were saying. I gotta massacre his name, but is it Villeneuve? Villeneuve. 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 Acclaimed Vilnia. director. Um, <laughs> Denis. He's made some really good uh, <clears throat> smaller ones, which I haven't seen, but well received. But I guess he's most famous right now for 2049. The awesome. Blade Runner remake, which, yeah. I mean, you, you see a remake of a movie these days and you think, what's this going to be like? Mm-hmm. But man, that really, I mean, I've, I've watched it probably three or four times. Really? It just blows me away every I've time. I've still only at... seen it the one time, but. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah. And uh, so obviously that's exciting because I was a big fan of that movie. Mm-hmm. And then here he is making Dune and Dune is famously, the Dune movie is famously awful. Is what most people say. It's one of those movies that I think it, when it came out, it did not do well because it was. I think they were chasing the Star Wars uh, vibe at that point, and they brought in David Lynch to do it. And uh, today, if you had said David Lynch is going to do a Dune movie, like, oh my god, yes, <laughs> yes. But at the time, maybe people were just some I don't know. Kid. <laughs> he was. I think David Lynch apparently not to go off too far off rails here because I could talk about Lynch all day long. Yeah. Is that he apparently I I. George Lucas tried to get him to direct one of the Star Wars movies. Um, and there's a story where George Lucas picked him up in like a, a Lamborghini and they were driving in the desert, took him to Skywalker Ranch, and then they went and got bre- or dinner or something. And he said, David, you should direct <laughs> Star Wars. And he was like, I don't think I can do that, George. <laughs> I don't know. Some along those lines. <laughs> do you think it's possible? Uh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and see what really happened. In but anyway, back to Vilna. Villeneuve, yeah, and he's making uh, it's out in 2020. 2020 is shaping up to be a pretty good year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, some uh, games we'll talk about in a minute, but uh, <clears throat> uh, I got really excited about the announcement that he was basing the movie directly off the books, Yeah. and it uh, occurred to me that I'd never read Dune, so I bought the Dune trilogy. Interesting uh, you could picked up the trilogy. <laughs> Yeah, so I bought the trilogy, except there's a fourth one, right? So. Is that the one written by his son? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we can skip that one. Maybe I'll end up reading. But anyway, uh, excited to read Dune, and I'll probably continue on with the other two as long as the first one isn't bad, and I'm sure it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then go from that. I'll probably finish around the time when this... Uh, well, we'll see. There's, I think you're going to choose through There's a lot of summer. Yeah, there's <laughs> some time here. The, Dune is famous for, in my opinion, for being one of those. I haven't read much contemporary sci-fi. Maybe it's because nobody's recommended it. There's so much out there, and I just get overwhelmed. So as a kid growing up, I'd always get, like, recommended basic or, like, certain classics, and you just kind of branch out from that direction. Like, I, remember, I still remember the first time somebody said, oh, you, you should read this book called Ender's Game. I was mm, like, oh, what's yeah. this about? And it's like, well, you like video games, don't you? It's, okay, here we go. And you're reading this book. It's, oh, this is pretty cool. And then you read the sequels that stink, and you branch off into <laughs> yeah. the other worlds. And I, I have an uncle who's... Um, for the dead. 
I don't even remember anything about it, to be honest. Um, Some pigs that turned into trees. and What? <laughs> when they die, they turn into trees, man, obviously. <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about. That's the, <laughs> that's the old school sci-fi or speculative fiction, if you're Harlan Ellison, that, that is Scott interesting. Carr just got crazier and crazier as time went on. He also did it's the, he, he wrote the novelization of The Dig. Do you remember that computer game? No. Fantastic LucasArts game from... Pardon me? Dig Dug? Dig Dug? <laughs> Not quite. It's, it's, it, had, it was this adventure game that had these gigantic production values. Spielberg was a producer on it, and uh, it was about these astronauts that go to... before This was before Armageddon even came out, but there's an asteroid coming to Earth, so they go to the asteroid to plant some explosives just to push it off uh, mm. course. And when they get up there and they plant the explosives, they notice that when they blow off chunks, there's this strange cavern that goes inside, and then they get in there. It turns out the asteroid is actually an alien ship, and when they go in, it activates them and takes them to this alien world. Ooh. And so three, one of them is, um, one's a journalist, one's the astronaut meathead played by, voiced by Robert Patrick, the T-1000, <laughs> oh, nice. and the third is a German um, scientist and... The, it's brilliant game. Like as far as adventure game goes, like this was one of the pinnacles of LucasArts adventuring stuff, and some infamous puzzles about you have to rebuild a skeleton of a, an alien tortoise in the proper place because it revolves around open these life crystals to bring things back to life, and mm. you open it up, you put it on this tortoise, and then it, the sea monster eats it and goes away. So that's, that's <laughs> the whole purpose of it. <laughs> anyway, what the heck? <laughs> I'm sure it made sense at the time. Oh, it's flawless. But uh, anyway, back to Dune. <laughs> yeah. Science fiction in general. Yeah, sorry. Have you read Dune? I've, I've read half of it. Okay. I, I it, was at, it was at a pinnacle change, a point in my life, and I just didn't finish it. I was reading it in the summer, and then something happened, and I had to stop. Okay, well, maybe when I'm done with it, I'll pass it along. <clears> I think it'll be, it'll be good to read the books and then watch the movie and compare. Absolutely. I don't know if it counts as hard sci-fi. I'm just looking up the title. Because um, hard science fiction is a category of science fiction characterized by concern for scientific accuracy and logic. I don't know if Dune would be mm. absurd or obsessed with scientific accuracy, but the I, for me, I usually put hard SF under sort of this umbrella of the the world is very it's it's all working properly. There's tons mm. of world building and stuff happens for a reason. It's not just like magic and yeah, go it makes on from sense. there. And yeah. I think. One of the things that I know about Dune, even though I haven't read it myself, is that uh, it it was the it was the groundwork. A lot of things have been built off of the Dune universe, especially uh, Dune the video game, followed by Command and Conquer and mm-hmm. RTS as a genre. Yeah, Dune if, is built w- off of Dune. So wouldn't have existed without uh, Westwood Studios. Got to thank them for that. We wouldn't have Starcraft. Yeah, yeah. well, because then because <laughs> they made for people who don't know. Dune came out, I forget what year it came out, but it was, I don't think it was the first RTS, but it's the first modern interpretation of an RTS as far as you're concerned. And if you look at it, and Dune 2 is when things, like, that's the game. Dune is, it's whatever. Dune 2 is when, boom, we've got our game. You have Westwood Studios who went on to do Command and Conquer, like Joel just said. Meanwhile, you have this little company called Blizzard who's not known for stealing ideas whatsoever. Don't no don't look at these orcs. <laughs> don't look at these humans. Don't. don't look at Warhammer too closely. <laughs> and then they just basically, it, the games look identical. Almost identical. But obviously yeah. Warcraft is the bigger one now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, a friend of mine, maybe we'll get him on the show someday because he's, he's got a lot of interesting things to say. But a friend of ours, Sean at work uh, <clears throat> told me that he recently like a, a week or two ago reloaded the original Dune and started playing it a little bit and he just said oh man is it bad <laughs> I don't know bad is harsh it's just I think we've been spoiled so much by people saying why are we doing this and fixing it but I don't know there's something very quaint about it in my opinion it's one of those things that doesn't age well like he, he loved it as a child you know? yeah there you and go come back to it it's like okay the nostalgia effect was a little strong on this one man it's we I don't know maybe it, nostalgia will play a place in some of the stuff we're going to talk about in a little bit here but yeah you can I don't know if you can pick them up legally anymore I'm pretty sure I don't know if GOG uh, just give me a second here so good old games sells Dune I imagine they would but it'd be tough to maybe justify paying anything more than two dollars or a curiosity for <laughs> yeah <laughs> and even it's funny when things are online no do they do not like, sell oh, two dollars too much yeah <laughs> you're like man i just paid 12 dollars for my lunch <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah well and that's what when it comes to applications i remember um 
what was it? Sam Harris. He has a meditation application, and he was having a conversation about how to monetize it. And he was talking about how there was a conversation about how people are willing to go out into McDonald's or something to spend $11, $12 on a lunch, yeah. and they don't even think twice about it. But when it comes time to pay for an application on your phone that you might be using every day or is like half decent, it's like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> I don't know about that. But it's it just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel right. But there's a difference between like a tangible, like I'm eating this hamburger is delicious. I understand where my money's gone versus... That's the thing. And I've, whoop, my money's I've gone. even looked, so like, for example, like some of these old D&D, not to get ahead of ourselves, but some yeah. of these old D&D uh, adventures and stories and guidebooks and stuff, for third edition, first edition, things that are like obsolete, but I like the story and I'd like to, mm. to use some of it. Um, the PDFs, I don't want to pay for them. You go look in, you look for a physical copy because a physical copy would be kind of cool. Just That'd to be have great that to have. Hand. Yeah. They're running at like minimum $80. Yeah. Because they're, they're collector's items. Yeah. yeah. You like 180 bucks or you can pay $2 for the PDF and I'm here it's like scratching my head like, oh, I don't want to pay. But who's the, who's selling the PDF? Is it Wizards? Uh, there's a sort of like a D and D garage or something like that, like a website that's that's got them all for sale. But it, that's what I'm wondering: is how are these guys officially licensed, or do they just scan these and now they're trying to make a couple bucks off of yeah, some PDFs? Know, you know. They must be. There must be an agreement or something because if it if you were able to Google quickly, like old school adventures, and they're explicitly selling them because Wizards is one of the most they've got their finger on the trigger all the time to for takedowns yeah. and things. So. Well, yeah, and then, I mean, there are officially sanctioned websites, too. And a lot of the stuff, if it's old enough or if it's obscure enough, uh, their price <clears throat> is $0. And some of them, you'll even say, pay pay what you want. Mm-hmm. You can enter in $0, you can put in a value. Yeah. That's nice, because then I just pay $0. <laughs> I know for me with some of these musicians, like a lot of these guys on Bandcamp, some of them, they have flat rates for their albums where it's like, okay, $5 US. And it's like, okay, that's that's fairly reasonable. So others are like, pay what you want. Like name your price. And oftentimes it's like, I, like what what does a coffee cost in, <laughs> in <laughs> Belarus? <laughs> so here you go. Yeah. But anyway. Buy yourself something nice. <laughs> Buy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're already spoiling some of the stuff we're going to talk about, but let's um, let's do the formal introduction to our show, which is typically uh, asking the question after. You can check us out on Twitter, 80 Radio CFRU. Uh, you can check us on Instagram at Androids Dungeon CFRU. And if you want to email us, it's androidsdungeon at cfru.ca until the station shuts down and that email address disappears forever. But it's already forwarding to my Gmail account, so not a big deal. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Oh, not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Harry and I got in a game of DC at lunch. DC 2, uh, Heroes Unite, the best DC of them all. <laughs> um, he managed to get three Power Rings and Cal Rainer, which means that he had the potential to do the special Cal Rainer win, mm-hmm. but did not manage to get them all together. Um, and he <clears> mentioned <throat> something that we can think about is um, Gen Con is around the corner. We're talking... 60 days. Quick interruption. Origins is going on right now, too. What's Origins? It's another big conference. And who goes there? Everyone. It's, it's. I think it's mostly board games and stuff, but there's everyone, too. Okay. I'd have to look it up. It's in Florida, I believe. <clears throat> so we got Origins in Florida, and obviously this weekend we got E3 going on. Big deal uh, for Vidya. And we got a lot of announcements to talk about there, but... Um, DC has a couple things coming out. They have a co-op coming out at Gen Con, and then sorry, it's in Columbia or Columbus, excuse me. Columbus. And it's a gaming convention, so board games primarily. Noise. Um, well, fly me out. I'll, I'll be the <laughs> <laughs> the reporter on scene. <laughs> Speaking of reporter on scene, we do have a reporter on scene at E3 right now that uh, you might remember from last year's. E3 coverage, which is Alex, and hopefully he'll be able to come on the show next week. Yeah, we'll get him on to have a chat about <laughs> after the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can Man. pretend he's there again. <laughs> what do you mean? He was there last time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's two things coming out at Gen Con for, for DC and Cryptozoic. One is a co-op game, which I'm indifferent about more or less, and then there's uh, a new DC, which is Ninja Batman. And uh, Harry and I 
are pretending uh -huh. that we're training because we're actually going to be in the release tournament for it. Now, is this the Ninja Batman release tournament? Is this where you everyone's dumped in with no knowledge of how the cards work and you go there? Or are you just playing DC and then it, it happens to be, congratulations, this is the Ninja Batman uh, prize. Yeah, it's a totally new game, so nobody's played it. It's the sneak peek is what it's called, mm -hmm. so I don't think it's out for sale yet, even at Gen Con. I think it's probably going to get released probably around November. Usually they do one in the third quarter, which Gen Con is a little bit early for that. Hmm. Uh, so we'll be playing it. We'll, we'll be new to the cards, but we'll be probably familiar with most of the concepts. So us playing a lunch today, you know, it's basically we're just practicing. You're training. Yeah. Just like Batman. And Hard at work. <laughs> <laughs> it was lunchtime. Nobody can get upset about that. Kayla popped by. Uh-huh. And said, it's a shame that you guys have to waste your so, waste uh, such a beautiful day on such a bad game. Oh! Oh! <laughs> What's fire. the matter for you? Unbelievable. So I told her she was jealous because she <laughs> doesn't have any better games. <laughs> what have you been playing lately? Uh, I got to... We, I was up at the cottage on the weekend. And we brought up... I brought up four games. And I got to play one of them. <laughs> Ambitious. <laughs> Ambitious. Well, is that Kayla's parents came up on, and this is not a strike against them at all. It's just um, Kayla's parents came up on Saturday, and right at the time when we'd probably, like, same time on Friday, we'd be playing Settle Concordia. In. We'd probably be playing something at that time. So it's like, eh, not gonna, not gonna probably bust out some of those games with uh, when those when you have guests around. That'd be rude. Yeah. So anyway, we got to play Concordia, uh, Concordia Venus, which is the more recently released. I don't even want to call it expansion. I'll just say iteration of Concordia. And what it is, and we've talked about a little bit on the show, but it is standalone game of Concordia with a couple of changes and the ability to play two-player co not co-op um, teams uh, and to work together to play Concordia. I've yet to play it on teams. The idea of teams is never wasn't the reason why I wanted it in the first place. It was just more that I've always wanted a copy of Concordia because I think it's spoiler. I think it's a fantastic game. Yeah, and this one just happened to come with. Um, it has four maps in it, the ability to play team play if you feel like it, and it's like, I don't know. If I'm going to get one version, I'll get this one. So anyway, we got to play it, and I had a blast. It was very fun, and every time I play the game, I feel like I get a little bit better, yeah. and I get a little bit more knowledge in what I'm doing, but in general, it still feels like I'm just flailing and kind of like, I'm going to grab cards that I can afford <laughs> and then move on from big, there. It's such a big sea of potential that yeah. you never really know what's optimal. Well, I, I think what it's this was the first time it kind of hit me that in this one, and the way the game scales in an interesting way, that you cut off parts of the map, at least the one that they recommend, and um, the if you haven't played it before, the, the Concordia is all about building houses in different sections of the Mediterranean, <laughs> and you have this deck of cards or hand of cards in your hand that each have a different ability on it and you play one of these on your turn and you do that ability some of them are move your people and then build a new house some of them are trade the goods you've acquired and you've got this little board in front of you that you hold them in so you're limited um, and what you're doing is you're playing these cards and you're trying to buy more cards from this market row and the cards get more expensive as you go down the row and they're less expensive typically at the end sometimes the costs are crazy still even on the end but not going to get into that too much and it's, it's almost like a quasi-deck builder because you're building, getting these cards, and they're going to your discard pile, and you can only get them back when you play the Tribune, and then you get all your cards back in your hand, but it's a turn you didn't get to do something, so you're trying to time it right because you get a lot of money, too, the more cards you've got in your discard pile. Yeah. And in order to build these houses, you need to have, uh, you always need bricks, but then you need a type of the good that you're trying to build in that city. And in order to get that stuff, you need to have traded these goods. And it's just turning this whirlwind of, of buying and selling and activating areas. Because if you have a house in these regions and somebody plays something called the, I want to say the prefect, is that prefect, what it is? Yeah. The prefect. Um, everyone who has a house in that region gets to get things. And whoever played the Prefect gets to get a bonus good from there. And there's a little section here, and the game's kind of complicated, but once you get a feel for it, it's lightning fast. It's very quick. Yeah. Although sometimes the decisions can be a little painful for, oh, do I go over here? Do I, what card do I play right now? What do I think my opponent's going to do on this turn? And it's, it's... So anyway, I found this, this game for one of the first times. I actually was upset when Kayla bought one of the cards from the the row because it was like oh man that's gonna cost me a bunch of points and i thought i had her like 
handily. Uh, but then when it came down for the, the scoring at the end of the game, where you add up all these cards and they all trigger different bonuses too, that it's like she's starting to... <laughs> these points are disappearing. The sweat starting to bead. And I'm like, oh no, I thought I had this. <laughs> but I eventually just... The only reason I beat her is because I grabbed one more card, I think, from the line than she got. And uh, and then I ended the game. So I got the seven-point bonus seven from Seven points. So you were six points behind, <clears throat> one point up in the end. More or less. It was just... It was so close that it was basically one card was kind of going to swing the game, depending wow. on which way it went. So I'm not saying I'm great at the game, but I'm saying I had a good time. And for once, I felt like I didn't... Awesome. I wasn't just flailing wildly, because I got killed yeah. the first time we played, and it was just, oh, no, this is so bad. Not the game, just like my performance was just... One of the nice things about the hand is... It really railroads you. So Jack's kind of described all the actions that are possible, but it is really linear in what you do. <clears throat> it's just kind of the order in which you do it and then also how you do it. Mm-hmm. Basically, there's there's uh, there's a very set uh, order, of, order of affairs. You're going to... You start with a bunch of stuff and no territories, and you need to go out and spend that stuff on mm-hmm. getting territories. Once you have territories, you need to tax those territories. So that's where you use your uh, prefect. Yeah. You tax those territories, they give you goods, but you don't have any money, so you can't do anything with it. So then you have to take those goods to the market and sell them. Yeah. Uh, you're going to sell some, and you're going to buy some other ones so you can build more things, probably bricks, because you always <laughs> need bricks. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, once you've gone to the market, uh, you could go out and build some more things, or you could spend those goods you bought on cards, but you probably want to save a tool and a wheat to make another person with yeah. a tribune. And there's a just that's where it branches off, and you're just like, man, okay, I've established <clears throat> some territories, I've taxed, I've gone to the market. And then when you go to the market, that's really when the decisions begin, because that's where you got to be like, ah, now what Thinking am I going to buy? Yeah. So that I can then do the next thing, but do I want to buy cards? Do I want to go expand again? Do I yeah. want to tribune and get more people so that I can move further? Yeah. <sighs> There's a lot of decisions, and it's, it's that's what I think makes Concordia so special as a game. Is that it's it's a simple game. Uh, it's going to scare people. I think if you put Concordia down on a table, um, I would argue that if you've if you consider yourself semi-adept at board games, you're going to have no problem with it. But if you're going to dump this on newbies or people who think Catan is uh, like what they're accustomed to, you might have a bit of a learning curve ahead of you. But in general, and also because the board looks weird too, it's it's perfectly functional. Like especially yeah. like Joel was saying earlier today with um, when we were talking is that. Venus adds these, and I'm not sure if it's every board, but I'm pretty sure it is. In base Concordia, they do this thing where, <clears throat> so we were talking about the, activating these activating these regions to tax them. Um, in base game, you have to look up the name of the region, and I think it is the background color matches it, but it's a little, little. you have to kind of squint a little bit to kind of figure out where it is. Whereas with Venus, they've got a miniature map and lines pointing to each of the regions, so you know exactly where you want to activate things. So... Um, but in general, it's just all these these decisions start to mount, and they're they make you want. It feels like a good decision typically, but you know when you screwed up when you go to the market and you purchase something, and then two turns later you're like, oh god, why didn't I buy more of that instead? Or I wasn't <laughs> yeah. thinking about where I wanted to go. And money gets very very tight very quickly, especially yeah. with the more people you play because you always have to pay cash to build a new house, and depending on which good you're building. It's more expensive, and depending how many houses are there, it gets more expensive. So you can end up paying extraordinary amounts of money in a multiplayer game. Um, I'm talking like three, four. Concordia goes up to Venus goes up to six, I think, or something yeah. crazy. So it's like, what are you? You could so you you're basically priced out of some regions if you are not there fast enough. So things like brick and wheat are very popular spots, and you want to scoop that up quickly. But yeah, anyway, we actually played Concordia. five player last time we played. How'd that go? great yeah i mean it was obviously a little slow but um was it bloody were people just really uh, fighting over stuff there were definitely some difficult to get into areas just because they were just so overpopulated like you say yeah but a brick territory at quadruple cost is still only like six or eight bucks yeah so that's what again more scaling the way the game is so nicely balanced that's like you're never even if you were the last person there in a brick territory it's not that bad but Anything past brick, <laughs> like wheat's <laughs> going to start to like, oh, geez, what am I paying for this? But yeah. but you can make a lot of money if you trade too. So yeah. anyway, Concordia. Yeah, Concordia, I think is, it's funny. I think it's always been kind of like the third or fourth most popular game. 
and it's steady. It's like it's like Viticulture had its moment in the sun, and Scythe had its moment in the sun, and mm-hmm. Gloomhaven had its moment in the sun, and Root. Um, and Concordia, throughout all of that, has just always kind of been there as a steady, yeah. um, worthwhile investment. I think I definitely put it up there, as, and I, I always forget about it too. But if if people were going to say like, I don't know if I'd put it in like, if you could only own ten games, these are the ten games you should own. But it definitely it would be a tough choice to exclude it from the list because it is so mm-hmm. like the replayability is up there too because you mix up the goods and need the region. So it's I don't think you would ever it would take a lot for you to play the exact same game for the for the tiles to come up the same way. And same with the cards yeah. from the uh, the market. And even though it doesn't look accessible, it surprisingly is. Yeah. Like, people like Mark that don't always like uh, heavy games want to play it again. It's and, simple. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, I think it looks scary. <laughs> it, it's not even the scariest. It's believe a dry me. Euro it, looking Oh, it's, game. it's, and it is a dry game. Let's be honest here. It's not, if you're looking for pulse pounding action, <laughs> you are not going to find it trading in the Mediterranean with Concordia, but. There's no cute, cute icons. Were you, were you the one that was saying there was some kind of color thing in Concordia where like the brick looks exactly like? Yeah. So Venus did has this baffling design decision where everything about the game is great except for one thing because they've got these lovely wooden meeples and um, wine and brick are basically like one. Like if you've got a paint swatch, you, you've moved down two <laughs> or something. It's if you're if it's in the light, you can see the difference. Uh, if you're playing in low light, that you're going to be that can happen when we were playing, even in the shade under the umbrella, where it's like the bricks and the the wine start to get mixed up a bit because they mm. just you instinctively go to put when you're moving the meeples around, you just put it oh with God. the color, right? But it's it, so strange. Whereas in the normal or the base game of uh, Concordia, like the the wine is bright red, and I think the or no, it's the opposite way. The the wine is a darker red, and the bricks are very red. Yeah. Something along it, very distinctive in their differences. Not this one. Very, very strange decision. You've been looking at some paint swatches lately, have you? <laughs> yeah, one or two. Honestly, not that many. It's <laughs> is it good? Yeah, good. That's I like it. <laughs> what do you uh, think of this, Jag? Oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good, I guess. So, uh, and I will say this. So, aside from Concordia, because I don't want to draw on too much about that, even though we both love the game, um, I wanted to talk about because I keep forgetting to bring it up, uh, which is. <clears throat> it's an old school, sh- it's a new re- retro shooter that came out, and uh, it's called Dusk, and it's been out for a little bit, and there are a bunch of uh, good videos on it out there. Uh, you can check out, uh, there's a good YouTuber called Civi11, he has a good series on that, and this guy is, he's fun to listen to because he's, he grew up, he made his bones playing uh, Blood and Duke and Doom and the rest of that stuff, so he's got, that's his background, and um, Dusk is a game that is basically, I'd say it's a mix between <clears throat> Blood, Doom, Heretic, and Redneck Rampage, and it's uh, and Quake, and you play this the this unnamed sort of our explorer that's been nicknamed the Dusk Guy, and what happens is the story is that a bunch of people were in this town and they were digging and uh, this mine out when all of a sudden they discovered something very evil in there, so the government closed off the town completely. And Dusk Guy is greedy, and he goes in looking for archaeological artifacts, and he ends up being captured by a cult of hillbillies and hooked up on a, a meat hook under in a basement somewhere, and guys are approaching with chainsaws, but poof, you break down, and your melee weapons are these sickles, and you just slice and dice, and you're chopping people up and picking up guns, and it's very fast, and it's lovely... Uh, old school design in that levels are built for you to they're not a they're not a linear you're moving from corridor to corridor or these arenas where like the new doom where you move into a spot and all of a sudden a bunch of monsters spawn you have to fight them off then move to the next spot whereas this game is like there's a full-on level you're going through and everything's designed around that and the architecture is gorgeous you beautiful creative low poly visuals where it's all about making use of the simple palette and very simple geometric shapes just like old school <clears throat> Quake. And there's three episodes for it, and the sound design is top-notch. The game is actually scary, and it, it's, a, it's a marvel. It's, a, it's great that they managed to act, accurately recapture the magic of the uh, mid-to-late 90s shooter in a modern setting, and it plays lovely, like, technically, I mean. So I'd recommend picking up Dusk if you, if you uh, are looking for that sort of experience. Have you been playing it? I played it. Uh, I finished it recently, so that's why I wanted to bring it up. Because how long was it? Um, the whole game. Yeah. 
if you're if you are insanely good at it, you can probably blast through in like three hours or something. If you're oh, okay. there are some parts which are trickier and you want to get secrets and things, so you're gonna take some time out of it. So it you'll get your money's worth, believe me. And maybe like there's I'm sure the has the summer sale already happened on Steam? Mm, don't know. Yeah, anyway, so pick it up on sale if you're on the fence or uh, maybe acquire it in a different way and just try it. And it figure it's out. not a major studio, is it? No, 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 it's independent. And the music is incredible, too. And the last thing, I don't want to spoil anything, but if uh, if you get to the, if you do play it and you get to the end, you'll hear a very familiar voice, which was if you know the, the, um, the genre that you're playing, uh, any bit, you'll be like... <laughs> It's so nice to hear. It's, it's, it's bringing me back. So anyway, try Dusk and uh, let me know what you think if you're at all interested in the first-person retro shooter first-person that stays away from the god-awful arena nonsense that people are you know, popularizing. Um, from there, should we jump to uh, EA, Xbox, Ubisoft, Bethesda, Nintendo, and why don't we, all the big money makers? Why don't we do music, yeah. and we'll come back, and we're going to discuss... Uh, what your favorite people who make uh, Bing Bing Wahoo machines were up to for a little bit. <laughs> wahoo, wahoo. Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. The number one station. What was that? <laughs> I liked it. But <laughs> Who knows? What you just heard was uh, what I imagine uh, it sounds like if it, you are 
um, a young, I'm going to say 20-something female traveling Japan on the bullet train. Uh, You have your headphones on, and you're looking out the window, and you're watching uh, villages and uh, mountains (laughs) somehow um, zip by. by. Oh, that sounds lovely. It does, doesn't it, Joel? Why aren't we, in Japan? Why aren't, why aren't we 20-something women in Japan? We'd be big in Japan. <laughs> Literally. That's a great song. Um, which, uh, before I... It was Rude, R-U-D-E, by Eternal Youth. And if you want, you can listen to 10 hours of it because some maniac looped it for 10 hours and it's got 578,000 views on YouTube, which is... But I imagine it's probably a bunch of um, clothing stores just looping that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just going to town. Or Chinese restaurants. Driving I don't know. the vendors crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, in case you haven't heard, one of the biggest uh, conferences for video gaming, Vidya, is going on. And that's uh, the uh, Electronic Entertainment Expo, or E3. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it's taking place, I don't know, in L.A. And... Uh, this is where all the big guns in gaming, uh, AAA gaming typically, but there are some independent studios, show up and uh, flaunt their stuff, you know, strut their, strut their stuff and walk around flexing and uh, trying to tempt, uh, tempt gullible gamers like myself into being excited for what they've got coming. Yeah, and then immediately the games are up on Walmart and <laughs> every other pre-order site you can find. Uh, so using, bouncing GameStop. off the Walmart uh, example... Uh, Joel, let's just quickly say what you pick one and I'm going to pick one. What was the the game for you that you remotely cared about from E3 that you were impressed by? It's Cyberpunk. Yeah, same. Me too. <laughs> there <Okay>. we go. <laughs> uh, you know, there's going to be a dedicated Age of Empires studio, so we might see something cool with Age of Empires 4. Maybe. Maybe. Probably not. Not holding my breath. Uh, Xbox is releasing a new console. Uh, do we know year. anything about it, or do they just announce a new console? It's, it's got a project name. It's called... Uh, Some like Crimson or Butterfly? Scarlet. Yeah. Scarlet, there we go. And guess what the title um, game will be? Uh, Halo 20. Yeah. Master Halo. Chief Retires. Halo Infinite. Oh, is that really what it is? Yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah, so anyway, Electronic uh, Entertainment Expo E3 going on. So, uh, so we already talked about Cyberpunk. Uh, CD Projekt Red, who's that they've quickly become a big name uh, using the the Witcher Three was a, got a, it must have been the biggest game they've ever made. Oh yeah, and sold like hotcakes, very well received for the most part. Uh, Cyberpunk is this game that's almost mythical. Uh, at one point, I thought it was Duke Nukem Forever in the sense that it it's might not have ever really existed until a couple of years down the road, somebody buys the license for it and finishes it, and it comes out half-assed, and people are just like, I don't want this anymore. But no, they, as far as we can tell, it's coming out in 2020. Can you believe it? And uh, I, I think it's safe to say, Joel, that CD Projekt Red maybe stole the show uh, with... Oh, yeah. They brought out uh, a certain John Wick himself, Keanu Reeves, was there because he's in the game apparently. So hot right now. So hot right now. Keanu Reeves. And he he endeared himself to everyone. I watched the video of it, and he just seemed very uh, affable. And it's like he seemed sort. He's. I'm not saying he was happy to be there, but he didn't mind being there. <laughs> and just airy. I saw the. Oh, man, it's so good. I'll send it to you later, but it's uh, Tom Hanks, when he did Angels and Demons, yeah. was forced to... Oh, no. These kill me. They snuck it into his contract that he had to do an opening, an intro speech for this uh, uh, digital nerd conference, oh. something, something for uh, for Sony. Oh, man. Because Sony produced the movie. Yeah. And he just deliberately bombed the whole thing and just very vocally said that he didn't want to be there. And that, oh, man. And he was kind of walking side to side. And then he's like, and now I will read from the teleprompter. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> was complete it? Complete opposite. Yeah. All right. So at least he seemed like he had some fun. But Keanu showed up and he just like, and I guess the thing that really kind of uh, you may have seen headlines about was that he's saying something. He's sitting there talking and somebody shouts out in the crowd, you're breathtaking. And then he pauses for a second and says, no, you're breathtaking. And now everyone's just stopped, like, looking at, or freezing it, basically. It's like, Keanu Reeves is such a nice guy. It's like, you, you, we're looking at you right now on Twitter or the internet. Keanu Reeves likes you. You're a nice person. So, yeah. I don't and, know. And uh, CD Projekt Red offered that guy a free <clears throat> copy of the game. Damn. 
And then he, I think he turned them down and asked them to donate a go-kart to charity or something. A go-kart? Some some specific (laughs) charity for kids, you know. All right. Well, what a nice guy. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's you, Project Red. What else, Joel? Uh, Well, we got uh, (laughs) FIFA 20. It just goes on. Next. No, I mean, you mentioned this uh, briefly, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but uh, Bethesda, who had a, you know banner year this year uh, mentioned uh bringing commander keen back for the phone for a mobile game because uh, that command and conquer last year went so well hey i played it for a little bit you were hooked on it oh man i, I played it constantly <laughs> for a week <laughs> just a week and then done yeah commander keen speaking of retro games that was i grew up playing the hell out of Commander Keen, Keen Four specifically, but uh, there was Keen Dreams, which was like uh, Keen Three Point Five. Uh, that. that one was totally free, difficult, very difficult game. And then you had the original trilogy, which are very difficult, but those games were legendary because they were the best attempt at the time. Because you have to remember, computers stunk for a long time for games. That's why Nintendo got so big and Sega and these guys because their games were fun. Yep. And you didn't have to fill around with stuff, and they were side scrollers and. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Commander Keen was in it, it was mostly designed by John Carmack of Doom and the rest of those games fame to try and recreate what made Nintendo so popular which is the side scrolling mm-hmm. the parallax effect and trying to recreate it Keen more or less succeeds with that but uh, just trying to be the console yeah feel exactly Wasn't just recreate uh, Leisure Suit Larry Leisure, yeah all these adventure <laughs> games and hard hardcore RPGs and stuff that made people like there was <laughs> yeah <laughs> What, 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 what did you say? Missed? No, no, that was... Anyway, <laughs> a little bit later. Uh, all right, so... And yeah, I dug up Commander Keen and put him on a, um, the phone. Great. <clears throat> it's just like most of these announcements aren't even games. It's it's like it's a like hundred new platforms coming out. Google yeah. Stadia was a... You know, we did a little feature on Google Stadia, but mm-hmm. there, there's a ton more details about it now. But it's like, oh, uh, you know... Um, what was it? Uh, we now know the size of the coffin Stadia will be buried in. We know how many people <laughs> will not buy Stadia. Yeah, Xbox is coming out with. Uh, well, they are. They have their own subscription service, obviously Xbox Gold, but um, Ubisoft <clears throat> is going to have their own subscription service. It's like, hey, well, you know, if, if you want to pay twenty dollars a month or fifteen dollars a month to uh, twenty different companies. Uh, <laughs> You might have a couple good games in your collection. Well, it's like, are we seeing the... So, it, it's it, it's almost like, like civilization in that you build up these cities and then everything's great <laughs> for a bit and then they all come crashing down and then you have to learn your lessons and rebuild them. It's like we're seeing this with Netflix and digital streaming. Netflix succeeded because all of a sudden all your content was more or less in one place and everyone enjoyed it. But now you're seeing this balkanizing of all these different services and you got Disney doing its own thing. You got Hulu. You got blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, oh, now I, I, you've recreated the cable network. Great. Now we're doing this with Steam. Everyone steams the big beast. And I'm not trying to say they don't deserve to be dethroned. But now they're trying to um, knock them off with uh, Epic Store. You're trying to pull people to Origin and Uplay and Stadia and all these things. Like, And as soon as the exclusives show up, that's when things are going to be a huge mm, problem. Yeah, yeah. all these... Uh... All these places where uh, exclusives now are killing. Which ones? Um, you just mentioned it. The uh, play. Oh, Epic. Epic, yeah. Yeah. So Epic store. Joel mentioned while we were during the musical break, um, talking about Shenmue, and Shenmue Three was a Kickstarter game, as far as I'm aware, and uh, they pulled an old switcheroo on them, and now it's an Epic Store exclusive. And people who don't want to use the Epic Store are understandably upset about being funneled into this service. Um, and typically what happens with all these Kickstarters is that you get the option of do you want a Steam key or do you want um, another uh, some of these other servers like a GOG or, um, God forbid, some one of the weirder side ones, or do you want like just a straight-up download, like the DR, DRM-free option. And a lot of people, yeah. that's a big deal for them. I'll usually take a Steam key because it's convenient, even though I know in the back of my head there's this voice saying, don't do it, don't yeah. take the Steam key. Well, but... Xbox is... Uh... You know, obviously, new console coming out next year. There's no need for our physical. They're going to do it anyway. Just they feel like people value having that in their hands, you know, being able to have the product. 
obviously GameStop would go out of business pretty quick. Well, when was the last time you went into a GameStop? <laughs> for a reason? Or <laughs> yeah. and not because I was waiting for something? That... <laughs> it just killed the time. Well, if you, I, I don't know. Joel, you're into stocks. I don't know if you're aware, but um, GameStop's stock has been uh, kind of imploding <laughs> recently. Blockbuster style? It's it's close to Blockbuster. And a lot of people are saying good riddance because, and I didn't agree with this reasoning because they were saying the secondary game market kills publishers. And I said, hold on a second. What about secondary music stores and libraries and things? That's that's right. not an argument as far as I'm concerned. Maybe it's worse in with video games that, that, that I'm aware of than some of these other industries. But I think it was more about maybe on the, on the more macro level, the business was parasitical with the the video game companies. I don't know enough about it. I'd love to get somebody to tell me why, but uh, yeah, GameStop is toast. It's not going to be around. Which, I mean, even if physical content is still a thing, you don't need a brick and mortar store anymore. I mean, if you're buying the game, you're probably getting a key, like you say, and you can also probably just get it shipped directly to you. This is a weird thing that I don't know how you feel about this, Joel, but for me, buying a game on Steam, I feel less. It used to be a while ago. Like, if you had talked to me 10 years ago, I said, no, give me the physical copy always, and I'll just I'll do whatever I want with it. Now I don't feel so bad about doing it with Steam. For, like, something like a PS4 game or an Xbox game, mm-mm. I'm, I want that physical yeah. copy. And maybe it's because I have less trust in those guys. I don't know what yeah. it is. Well, I mean, I never bought one, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, I get the feeling like that's that was one of my main deterrents when uh, uh, I considered buying a Switch. Just like mm-hmm. like everyone like else, every <laughs> other game is going to be seventy five dollars. It's expensive, very expensive. Or you get a computer, and yeah, and then do. all the games are free. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all the games that are affordable. Affordable. <clears throat> The final Um, thing I wanted to say before we jump into your list was um, obviously Sony skipped E3 this year. Yeah, which is interesting. But just to preempt everybody else, they dropped that Death Stranding trailer. So it's basically they'd gone to E3 before E3. It was was pretty smart. Yeah, Yeah, why? And I could swear there's someone else big that didn't show up too. Um, Maybe I'm just mixing up. But uh, quickly just run through uh, Breath of the Wild 2 announced. Um, oh, I didn't yeah. play the first one. I don't care about it, but I'm sure someone's interested in this. Looks a little darker. I'm surprised he called it Breath of the Wild too, and not like another name, because Zelda usually does like Zelda mm, something, yeah. but I don't know marketing. Um, Final Fantasy VII remake. They showed some of that stuff. Again, I don't care about Final Fantasy, so maybe you were really excited. It looks pretty, I guess. They've changed it, the battle system up though. It's not turn-based that I'm aware of. It. I think it's more action, uh, kind of closer to the recent Final Fantasy game. Um, that uh, 14 or... yeah 14 15 27 who knows um, I'm trying to think of other big ones uh, they showed actual gameplay of Vampire Bloodlines which looked a little bland but there's still a lot of time for them to kind of turn into something I'll still play it but I might not like it Banjo-Kazooie Jack in uh, Smash yeah <laughs> yeah see Joel, Joel's reaction to that is basically how I feel it's like oh well that's nice um, I will say I think the the top three people at uh, or the top three games at E3 was Keanu Reeves, uh, this lovely woman Nakamura who is the uh, designer on uh, Evil Within of Monsters, and now she has her own game called Ghostwire. She was very affable, again smiled, had this little dance or something she did upstage, and there was a dog on stage at Ubisoft's <laughs> press conference. That was you can't beat that. He was a good boy. So <laughs> those those were the, th- <laughs> the goodest boy. <laughs> So those three people won. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're catching it from our half-hearted attempt to cover E3, but uh, Jack and I aren't, aren't very big into video games, and we do like video games. I love video games. For some reason, AAA titles and consoles just don't hit it for us. Well, there's nothing super crazy there. There's like the they announced Elden Ring, which is the From Software George R. R. Martin partnering, which is like I'm intrigued, but there's no gameplay. There's nothing for it. So it's like talk to me when you can see something. Yeah. Same with Cyberpunk. I was a little disappointed that there's still no gameplay for. I'm just waiting really? for. I want you to show me what the game actually is, as opposed to these pre-rendered cutscenes that are just like. That's true. Yeah, good point. So nobody was playing it there. Not that I'm aware of. Now they did play the Bloodlines, and so apparently got, it was embarrassing. So they got just under a year to finish the game. April twentieth. April twentieth. Is that really when the release? April sixteenth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> April sixteenth, twenty twenty. 
we'll see. Uh, I would not be surprised if they delayed it, but you never know. This sounds a little more concrete, and like we mentioned or hinted at before, Walmart immediately turned around, and you can pre-order the game. You can pre-order it anywhere, but Walmart's letting you pre-order physical copies for $55 dues Canadian, which is a pretty good price. for. And I That's what the game is going to cost? How many times have I said not to pre-order games? Constant. Don't pre-order it. Don't pre-order it. Jack's already pre-ordered it. I've already (laughs) pre-ordered it. No, that's not true. Never be true, but I'm saying if you were, if you're one of those people that you know you're going to buy this game, might as well pre-order it now and save some cash. Well, we pre-order uh, board games. When was the last time I pre? Oh, with Kickstarter. Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, we, no, I I am a, an investor, Joel. <laughs> yeah, I'm an investor. It's <laughs> 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 a lot of things being said without actually being said. Here. Yeah. Uh, all right, enough about E3. That's boring. Uh, Let's move on to Forgotten Realms. And uh, sure. Joel, what is Forgotten Realms? Dungeons and Dragons is so so hot right now. Is it? It's uh it's blown up. There are <clears throat> tens of thousands of people watching uh Critical Role every week. Crazy. And uh there're probably six or seven um picking up on about at least six really popular podcasts and channels of just people watching people and people listening to people playing D&D. And Sometimes. you're one of those people, Joel. I am, yeah. Uh, and yeah, well, like, what's drawing me is that I'm trying to learn how to be a better DM, mm-hmm. right? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to become a DM that's established in a way that I could just pick up any party and, and at least make a half-decent adventure out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of that is, uh, I think you're you're asking a lot of questions lately about how how does the game work, yeah, or the functions. How do you deal with this kind of scenario? Are you finding those questions somewhere online before you ask me and Mark? No, they're just coming to my head because it's no secret I'm trying to. I want to do it. I want to DM at some point. So I've been building in my head sort of these worlds, and I'm trying to think of like when the types of interactions that it would occur, and I'm thinking of like. Oh, I've ne- it's never really hit me wh- how these how these mechanics actually work as far as D and D is concerned. So I'll type in an answer or type something into Google and and I'll get like uh, I don't know about these answers. So I'll just ask Joel and Mark because <laughs> they know way more about it than I do. Yeah, and obviously you, what you've discovered is, is there's never a hard and fast rule. I mean, there's yeah. What it would it would it uh, Mark raw? There's the raw answer, which is uh, <laughs> rules as written. Oh, is that? It? I thought it was just like him being funny. I didn't know it was a raw. <laughs> yeah. So raw is if you're if you're a by the book DM, there yeah. is a correct answer, and then there's the way that a lot of people do it, mm-hmm. which is it usually varies a lot. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, Forgotten Realms was uh, sort of this expansion to D and D that people were writing decent amount of time ago and then kind of re-implementing in D&D 3 is it called E3? Uh, 3E? 3E, uh, yeah. Okay. Third edition. Um, and then kind of there's like hints of it in 5 but for the most part it's old stuff that was kind of like uh, guess what there's more to the world than Faerun. Right, so what Faerun is is the continent that everybody, like for the most part, ninety percent of people are playing D and D on, which is this country. Uh, it's like think about it as Westeros and Game of Thrones or something. It's like everything's happening here. <clears throat> but just in case you were curious, uh, Daenerys and all these other things that don't end up mattering are, <laughs> are on the other side of the of the water. Right, Bravos, really cool city. By yeah. the way, I really like Bravos. It took a lot of effort to make Bravos boring. The series found <laughs> so a way. They did it. <laughs> Good for them. Uh, Volantis and all these other cool places on the east. Um, those exist in D and D because they were written in the seventies and reiterated in the nineties and early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can still go find that content. It's, like I said, it's kind of hard to find the PDFs and the older versions are now really expensive, or uh, you'll have to do a lot of work digging to find them. Um, a lot of it has been abandoned because I think they kind of tr- try to focus on like other realms and stuff so we're on the we're on the prime material plane jack do you know mm-hmm. what that is vaguely i understand there's very there's several planes uh yeah, or t- there are infinite t- planes tons of planes yeah. but anyway 
uh, there's like you know like the hell kind of planes, and there's the shadow plane, and there's the underdark, and mm-hmm. everything like that. Prime material plane is basically Earth. Here's Earth. Here's Middle Earth, maybe in Lord of the Rings. Um, and the rule for that place and a couple other places is gods aren't allowed to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the super god, whatever his name is, I can't remember, Aeon or something. They're blocked from uh, Blocks them from going to the prime material plane. So instead, they influence it in funky ways by giving people magic and blah, blah, blah. And in return, get worshippers, followers, and the followers are what give the gods power. Uh, Forgotten Realms uh, doesn't really fit with that because it's like, hey, what if we made Mexico? What if we made Asia? What if we made... <laughs> what if we made uh, Mexico? <laughs> you know, all this other crazy stuff. Well, uh, Forgotten Realms yeah. Canada. <laughs> it doesn't work with our, let's make some super dragons and yeah. go kill them. So, and how many adventurers have killed these these dragons before? Poor guys. I know, I'm just taking a beating <laughs> really constantly. killed thousands of times. Well, it's exactly, each one is its own time zone, or lime, right? It's not like you're just yeah, killing the same dragon. Over alternate reality. It's like, it's, it's almost like a, like a Marvel DC answer to something. Well, there are very many multiverses, and in this multiverse, you know, uh, Superman is a three-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> Got to come up with something to uh, sell those books. So, yeah. Um, anyway, Forgotten Realms. You, the part of the issue, like you were talking about earlier, is that a lot of the stuff is now out of print, and um, unless you pick up a hard copy, like a maniac, and pay collectors are out of market or aftermarket prices for this stuff. You're out of luck. But is there any sort of formal guide that you would pick up? To, or can you just sit down and say, I've created my own fa- Forgotten Realms, because as long as it's just not set in the prime D&D universe, whatever you do, it's not like there's specific rules for Forgotten Realms? Well, the tough part about Forgotten Realms is, is it's all old versions. And if you're playing 5e, it, none of it works as far as, like, here's the character's stats, or here's your villain, and it's, here's his stats, or you can actually make... You can be these races, right? You could be a cat person if you want. It's there. A Why cat, don't they a work? Kajit. Um, it just doesn't work in 5e because the stats are off. But you could probably do some kind of translation work. Well, that's what I was going to say. Couldn't you just try to finagle it so it's like, well, it's not a one-to-one, but I'm going to boost it. Like, here's exactly. your strength bonus as opposed to... You're kind of just making it up. Yeah. In which case, you're probably just cloning a current 5e class and then you know, giving the flavor text, which is basically the only reason you're getting forget, Forgotten Realms in the first place is for the for the story, for the plot, for the ideas about adventures. Mm-hmm. And for, um, let's say, for example, Flag walks into a bar and asks a guy that's arrived from a boat from one of these far away realms uh, a few questions about where he's from and what it's like. Instead of just uh, improvising on the spot... Good old DM Joel has something concrete. <laughs> has something in his written head because he read he read a PDF. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I get it. So helps you like actually build a better world or a, I don't know more fleshed out adventure as opposed to just like it's good here. Thank you for asking, <laughs> Sunny. <laughs> Sunny. <laughs> Lots of trees. <laughs> Would you recommend someone like who? Because obviously, like you mentioned, D and D is so hot right now. But is there any reason somebody would want Forgotten Realms aside from, uh, like, why why would somebody even seek this stuff out aside from the reasons you were just mentioning of like trying to flesh out their worlds? Well, the appeal for me is that it's it's new and it's different. You know, it's you could discover something that like you've probably heard. Well, depends on how much you've played, but you've probably heard a lot of the central characters and cities and ideas water deep uh you know <clears throat> areas of big dragons i don't know innis and what was the storm king's thunder torment giant spain whatever you know everything so maybe you want to try something different right? so sure mix Explore. it up lore well i think is D is going to become a more common theme i think on the show because next week i think are, is it uh, mark's final campaign next week oh yeah he's wrapping it up so hopefully we can get him on the show to have like the the d debriefing on his campaign and joel's campaign is going to be starting up what september uh yeah september 8th 
Yeah, so Unless we want to bump it up, but I think let's enjoy the summer instead. Yeah, there's there's gonna be some D and D in the future, so yeah. hope you like it because you're not getting away from us. <laughs> assuming the station's still here, but anyway, I'm Jack. And I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Support CFRU. Um, get some sun. It's nice outside. Bye. <laughs>